I'm very inspired by the um, filmmakers who did the endless and you know, they, they did a they have a great brand of 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 films which are uh, sci-fi but also low budget and they have been uh, basically filming them themselves and doing being acting in it so they are very self-sufficient. In the room, fifty-two jokers wild. Okay, hi folks, welcome to another Friday with In The Room with Garvin and George. This week we have Sean McConville, who is a filmmaker, executive producer, director, Frenzy's film production company, and his partner, Stephanie Johalland. Is that correct? Have I All right, pronounced perfect, that? yeah. Brilliant. He's also a filmmaker, director. And one of the great things that we and Garvin hopefully will like is the fact that they're also sci-fi freaks, exactly the same as myself and Garvin. We, we just well, love the I'm old, sci-fi, uh, you're a freak. We'll work about it. I'm the freak. Don't worry about that part of it. No, actually, it's the other way around. I've been called a freak half my life. You know, I was freaky, freakishly tall. That, that's what's normally going on with me. Who's, who's that freak in the disco? I was dressed as a gothic punk. I was dancing. I looked like I looked like Herman Bloody Monster with a wig. You know, so so freak is freak is a, a middle name I have for years. So you should have made a, a fortune uh, playing Darth Vader. Actually, you could have been Darth Vader. Absolutely. I actually, yeah. There you go. I I had the cloak. I just didn't have the helmet. You know, I, I mean, when I, when I was growing up, I went, I remember going to Star Wars and I remember getting a black cloak. Actually, I had a black flown cloak from somewhere. I had my big 16 or 18 hole Doc Martens. I had my black combat trousers. I was going for the Darth Vader look all right, but I don't think anyone else realized that. But I mean, we were before our time. Again, special effects 101 in the 80s. You know, you just get yeah. a couple of zips and a helmet and you go out and you do a bit of trick-or-treating. I, I did work on Star Wars The Phantom Menace as a special effects technician, and but I, I was more on the sort of R2-D2 height level than, than uh, Darth Vader, unfortunately. Oh, well, well, well you're not going to get me into it being like an R2-D2 anytime soon. Well, actually, no, we're in trouble. Then, then we're into horror-gore films because you have to slice and dice me to put me in and get me in, to fit me into an R2-D2. You know, well, that, that, I can see the special effects involved with that one. It's a gore fest. There's actually 22 R2-D2s when you make a movie, and they all do different things and all in different stages of repair and so on. So if they cut you up, you could there'd be a piece of you in each single one. <laughs> it's yes, how to dispose go, of the body. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the way they would dispose of the body for you. <laughs> that's the thing. No, it's interesting because you're talking about special effects, uh, and I know one of my one of the guys I went to film school with was a guy called Alexander M. Gunn. Do you ever come across Alex Gunn in the special effects world at all? I, he I know the name. I, I've never worked with him. Yeah. No, you don't work with him. Okay. No, well, I'm going to jump that... in for a second there, George, and go, that's like an American visiting Ireland or an Irish person visiting America, and you talk to them at random, and they say, do you know Paddy Kelly? And the <laughs> well, weird actually, thing is, you, you know, do. There's 5.5 million it. people. Yeah. Antonio Flatterty is your next-door neighbour. You've just picked a random name in CGI no, no, I and asked no, a person... No, 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 no. Actually, Garvin, the thing is that, uh, and actually what's really interesting is most people here are from Ireland anyway. My father-in-law used to, he used to go on little trips all over the place. And the next thing that's half a mile down the road, someone would go, Brian, Brian, how you doing? Haven't seen you for ages. The industry is actually that small. (laughs) I think you do get to meet people that you know from all over the place. I I didn't do it long enough to get to know everyone. And, uh, you know, I, I went straight from, you know, Working, I did about three or four years doing special effects on some studio movies, uh, uh, Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, a couple of James Bond films and other studio movies. Um, but I very quickly got into wanting to be a filmmaker. So I wasn't in it long enough and I, I kind of yeah. regret not being in it longer. But you're absolutely right, George. It is a small community and they, you know, once you've been in it a number of years, everyone would know everyone. Every special effects head of department would know, you know, Garvin was talking about America and asking an American. Um, I, I I was working with a guy in in Georgia, and I was I'm based here. He's in Georgia, and we were trying to work on a uh, an American Irish type sort of project. And he rented out his home uh, for sets on on films. And I think it's been um, Gary. Is it Gary Hart? He, he's there's a film about Gary Hart just come out, and it was there. And he got talking to one of the cameramen and uh, he said, oh, I'm just going to contact George, George Kingsnorth. He says, George Kingsnorth? You know George Kingsnorth? How come you know George Kingsnorth? 
And he kind of goes, uh, I'm working with him in Ireland. He says, I went to college with him. It was one of my mates from college from about 35 years ago. And that, again, just shows how small the world actually is. So it is that small, Garvin. It is that small. Yeah. No, actually, that's what we... Now, strangely enough, this is why I'm... Now, I'm a newbie. I'm a, even if I use that dirty word, I'm a virgin in the film industry. I've done nothing, been nowhere, have no IMDb credits to my name. I've great intentions. So I'm like two years ago or so, we, I, I met George about well, three years ago now nearly. And I said, I'm going to go this route. But the, on my own, I can't do it. So it's now a we. We've got to find that group of people that we're going to go innovate, disrupt. In other words, I've got to create a job for myself somehow with no previous history of ever doing anything. And that's what I meant by disrupt people into letting you into the industry. And, and so now we also realized no one's going to give us a job. We've touched on this in a bunch of our shows. So we're going to create jobs. The only way to get a job is create a job. And that's the journey that we're sort of on. So we suddenly realize as well, if we're going to do it, and we've only got so many years left to do it, well, let's go large. Let's put a lot of work effort in. Let's focus on ourselves. Let's brand ourselves. Let's go out there and create jobs, create content. And that's the journey we're on. And we, what we've re from all the people we've met in the last couple of years, Everything is resonating to say the more we give, the more we get. With social media, it's about, it's not, nothing's for sale with us. We're going, no, it's on a journey of entertainment, information, making friends and influencing people, creating relationships. That's the journey we're currently on. And we will get to a stage whereby we end up with, well, we've loads of work and loads of jobs, but we're on a journey to content creation. The content creation we're doing currently is social media, but the intent is movie production. So yep. so we will end up there, but we're, we, we, we are probably an example of yourselves in another way. What we, when we entered the industry a couple of years ago, the hardest thing to find is that elusive investor. There is no one in the micro-industry production space that we've come across, they've left. England and Ireland, the, that investor left. He finds it too risky, doesn't know how he's gonna get paid. And on that basis, when the money leaves a certain level of production, then the jobs in that area are, are dependent upon those wages. And therefore, there's this, this problem is, is starting to resonate to us in Ireland, England, currently, I'm sure the rest of the world. But we also see it, it's not a problem. It's the biggest opportunity for us. Well, Gavin, just before we go into that sort of area, I'd like to, I'd, I'd just like to disrupt We have you to get and, Stephanie in. Stephanie, yeah, wake that's up. That's the reason. That's what, sorry, sorry. No, hang on, hang on. Let's just, uh, sorry, Stephanie. Well, because I wanted to sort of bring you into the conversation as well. We've been talking about how we kind of slightly disrupted the industry. How did you disrupt the industry and get into it? Tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll get into what Garvin was talking about just a few moments ago. <laughs> well, I'm not sure we actually disrupted uh, the industry, but um, just by doing, I, I guess by wanting to do genre films in Europe, that's disruptive because traditionally it's a genre that Americans are very keen on, but it's, it's really challenging to find financing for sci-fi films, horror films, even when they are elevated uh, as in smart genre films. It's still quite difficult because traditionally funding, funding bodies just don't give money to genre films. So right there by establishing ourselves and our brand as genre filmmakers, I guess that's um, disruptive, for lack of a better word. Uh, it's, what, what is really interesting is that actually now uh, genre is kind of trendy, it's back in fashion in Europe. Yeah. So actually a lot of people are trying to do genre, uh, but hopefully people can recognize the filmmakers who have been doing it for a long time and are really passionate about the genre. I've been trying to do really good um, uh, to write and produce really great genre films. And I think that you know, eventually our uh, disruption <laughs> will pay off. Now, I, I, what I've heard, Stephanie, is you see, myself and George end up in these conversations at different times and going, the functional, functional, I mean, my, my past was an accountant. Therefore, I, was, I, I can talk a language of functional and process. I can also talk a language of budget and return. So, but I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the passion. And there was no passion in accountancy. Now I'm passionate in the product and the product is the content. But that aside, if you bring back the function and the process to what you're talking about, you're saying use 
know how to deliver on the function of a production of a, of a genre film. You know what it's going to take in terms of a skill set to do it in a timeline at a price. You know if in that box is, is a good story and you get that across at a price, you're now talking, that's the pitch for an investor. An investor doesn't really care what you're doing. He says, have you got a Blair Witch? Or have you got a, you're going, I, I'm, going to, I'm not going to see a payday. So the strange thing is funding bodies are not in the business of taking risk. Indirectly, the new investor is a VC that wants to know how he's going to make a 10x. And, and, but the thing is, they're, they're, they're investing in, a, in more known some things, which is nearly pension funds and in, in, in the bigger productions that already have their, have their streaming in place, have their sales and distribution channels. They're, this, the weird thing with a Bloom model is you could spend 100,000 and get an 800% return, but you might lose seven out of eight times. And if the first seven are your losses, you're never going to get invested in it again because the investor wants, it's, 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 we keep on saying it's Shark Tank, it's Dragon's Den. They're going, they're, they're the making of you. It's their money. Everyone else is a bill, a wage. They don't care. It's how do I get my money? How do I, but they want to give you the money to explore your passion. And if the passion is not art, but more the genre with a return, then that's all they want to hear. And that's what we suddenly realize. Depending on who the customer is or the language we're talking to, you know, the end customer never gets to see the film unless the customer of investor sees how he's going to make money. So we've got to find not the funding body, but the new VC investor. Yeah. Can we can we ask the question there? Because obviously that's that's the perspective that you're coming so, from at the moment, Gavin. That's it. So if it it's where is the we, where is the new money on the block to get these genres financed? And Sean, would you like to sort of maybe first answer that one? Currently, of what uh, Gavin just said, really is it's not as simple as um, the investors want a return on their money. In fact, I would I would argue that many of them are looking more for the prestige of 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 being associated with. Uh, films, and that means you know going to Cannes and walking the red carpet or getting a BAFTA award, mm. and and that's a totally different thing. I mean, those, those films, you know, let's call them the art house genre, uh, art house yeah. uh, movies, if you like, or, or socially important stories and subject matters, which of course should be supported by government funding, culturally, and so on. You know, because those films get that kind of support, the amount of equity in the film is a much smaller portion of the budget. Um, let's say 25% versus if we're doing a genre film, it's probably 75% private equity. So the, the risk that private equity is lower because you know in, in many situations, you don't even have to give back the soft money. You know, if yeah. you get uh, you know, BFI funding, uh, telefilm funding in Canada, you know, it, it, it's it's there is a there is a, a business model where they get the money back if if the film makes certain amounts of money, but most of them don't. So it's the it's the smaller portion of the private equity that gets paid back first anyway, as far as I understand it. And so the risk is less, but the opposite, the corollary is that they're more likely to go and win a BAFTA or or get to Cannes and, and be a part of the Palm Door. Um, any genre filmmaker's challenge is, you know, how do you present yourself in such a way that, you know, you can offer that glamour side of the business or what what they perceive as glamour. It's certainly not glamour when you're in it, but but going to the premiere at, at BFI London. I'm going to just be the devil's advocate, right? And go, I'm someone of Shark Tank. Because I'd, I'd love, I've set a goal for myself. I'd love to be on Shark Tank or Dragon's Den on both sides. I want to be on this side raising funding. And then a couple of years later, I want to be on the other side being so loaded and philanthropic, I'm investing <laughs> back. So, I mean, now that's a dream. We might write a film and stick ourselves yeah. in it that does all that. But... This, because I come from an accountancy background, my language for the last 30 years has purely for every business I've worked is money. And all every business was interested in, if you took it back, was what's the profitability? What's the return on investment? What, what can we get for our money? What do we insource? What do we outsource? Where do we, what is this industry about? Before, when I entered this industry before George, well, I don't understand what a camera is. I'm not going to be a cameraman. I'm not going to be CGI. I'm not a functional anything. So the only thing I can understand is how does it, because I got brought, dragged into this in industry by a production company because my son was going to be an extra. And the first word out of our mouth was, we just ran out of budget and we can't finish the film. You're an accountant. Can you raise some finance? I'm going, no, I happen to be an accountant. 
Where, how did you raise the finance before? Oh, we didn't. We worked out what we could get from family and friends and the rest. We went two tours into the film. We ran out of money. We can't get any other investors. We've half of nothing that we can't do anything with that has no value. And now, now it's over. And, and that was my hello to the industry. And what I heard was, what's the business model that will be attractive in micro-indie production finance that properly finances the 40 or 50 jobs for a production of a million quid, that gets its tax rate, that de-risks it, that then can get a return that the investor understands so we can do it again next year and do another film. Because that, because if I get burnt once, family are dead, friends are dead, no one's got their money, it's all lost, I got paid, no customers. The, my background is from customers. Who is willing to pay to watch the film, how many do we need, how many million of them, to give us a budget so everyone's paid and the, return, the investor gets the return he wants. So it's not the passion project, unfortunately, of genre or art house is you don't, can do nothing till you have the money. If it's your money, great, go off and do it. But if it's not your money, I own everything until you mm. give me what I need to pay you. So how do I this investor type, how do we attract them on a regular basis for your slate so you're doing two productions a year at X budget for the next 10 years? That's my sort of question. Well, yeah, that, and that's the, the $64,000 question. It's, uh, no, 64 it's, million. It's, you're taking too small. 64 million. It's the most <laughs> difficult thing for, for anyone, even established yeah. filmmakers. They almost have to go back to you know, ground the zero work. and start the process again. The only thing that trumps it is that the last film you made either either made a lot of money yeah. or was you know won very prestigious awards and I'm talking about the Palm Door. But if you don't get that as the first one out the door, most people it, never get the second chance. It, it's that right. Does, that's right. Yeah. It's a really high number of yeah. first-time directors. Um, I think it's eighty percent of uh, of first-time directors never make a second film, and. It, if you don't make your first film, you know, financially successful and or critically successful, then yeah. you definitely are starting the process again. And it's even more difficult than the first one. And there's the first game. Film, it's like a millstone what? around your neck. Um, unless it's talked about, unless it's The Witch or The Babadook uh, yeah. and so on, you know, unless it's literally, we're talking in the genre field here, you know, one of these films that we all refer to all the time, every time you open up a business plan for a It's uh, a Oh yeah, film, I've had five Blair Witches thrown at me, I'm going. Exactly, it's the Blair Witch and, and so on. And Just before yeah. Garvin comes back in, can I get Stephanie back into the, in, to have, if you'd like to just add your comments there as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a tricky, tricky question because I, I know filmmakers who, actually are, are financially solid enough to invest in their films. But the question is, it's not actually, it's, it's almost as challenging for them because they also want to recoup their own money, which is fair yeah. enough. But the problem is there's no guarantee you recoup them, your money un unless you make a brilliant film. And you cannot, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's an art form. You cannot guarantee brilliance or success. So if, you, if you're trying to, really striving to make a great film, it could be that you don't quite achieve your goal. And if you don't achieve your goal, if your film is not good enough, then you, the sales agents won't be yeah. a tier one sales agent. If it's not a tier yeah. one sales agent, then the prices of your movie won't be enough for you to yeah. rec recoup. And, and it's a hard truth. And it's, 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 it's yeah. But it's the most attractive. The weird thing is, you yeah. solve that problem, or not the problem. Yeah. This is the biggest opportunity in the industry. It's how to get the budget, how to get mm. enough budget that you get three and four attempts. That you, you don't see it as a one chance wonder because your skill set didn't change. It might have been the bad weather, one actor. It's your your actually what we're meeting in Ireland is there's an awful lot of new producer directors that you know what we're hearing is the, the screen Ireland's want to get behind and the film boards want to get get behind let's say women in particular and they want new writer producer director opportunities but all I'm hearing as an accountant is we want someone else to pay for it we want someone else to take the risk of giving this opportunity so if it if if the finance fails. The, the, the actual film might be fine. You got the opportunity, you told a story, you can do another one, go somewhere else and use someone else's money. But the accountant is going, not using my money again, and mm. we're not doing that again with you. So it's a, it's a job of de-risking that needs to be done 
and joint strategically partnering that invests in the future talent that goes, if you want a producer or director to have an opportunity to keep on doing that they don't fail by not producing a win, then who's paying for it the whole time? And, and that's and where you, I, I think um, an answer actually could be in macro industry could yeah, support yeah. micro industry production through training grants and funding from that might be facilitated from the various film boards. It's too small fund, 20 grand, 30 grand is nothing. You need million pound productions, not 20 grand shorts. Yeah. Sean, what were you going to say there? I, I was going to say the normal uh, number one strategy to de-risk um, the, the chances of losing money and, and to get the money in the first place has always been, and still is, even though it's even more difficult now, and I'll explain why, is getting named actors attached. Yeah. Um, and it's more difficult now than it already was because of all the streaming platforms. You know, those actors are highly in demand all the time. And TV versus indie filmmakers have the money to, you know, Netflix can afford to pay an actor, whatever their yeah. rate is, 50000 a week or whatever it may be, sometimes more, sometimes less, versus an indie film, a two million, even a £2 million indie film, you know, you, you probably you've got a couple of hundred thousand for your actors, all of them, yeah. you know, to shoot for a month, let's say. And so it's, it's, it's even more difficult than it used to be to get certain named actors in your movie because they yeah. just go and work on Netflix for yeah. much higher inflated rates. Um, and it's just as prestigious. Uh, so the, the, the irony to that for us is that, you know, in working in the genre field, you don't need named actors. You exactly. need a brilliant script, yeah. a great creative crew behind you. And, and, you know, obviously the director needs to know what they're yeah. doing, the script first and foremost. The actors have to be brilliant and right for the part, but they don't yeah. necessarily have to be named. very well known. And we've studied this, all the films that we, again, all the films that we talk about, that we reference, that we aspire to make, The Witch... The Babadook, yeah. Let the Right One In, Blue Ruin, uh, or there's several others. Those films, they were all financially successful. They were critically successful. They played at the best festivals in the world and won awards, TIFF, Sundance, Cannes and so on. And there's one thing they all have in common. None of them had known actors. So, you know, this proves to us this model that... That's the right know, model. Yeah. That's, the, that's our model, you know, and, and when you... And when you can do that as well, it takes a lot of the it takes a lot of the pressure off of making the film on one level because you don't have to play that game of of go according to the actor's schedules and yeah. getting them attached. And that's incredibly difficult. And then you need more money to make the same film. Um, it makes it easier because I don't think we should or need to do that to make a successful film. But it makes it more difficult in terms of. The first thing a sales agent says is who's in it, yeah, who's the and, cast, and, and an investor, you know, who's in it, how am I going to get, because they falsely believe that, that's that they're going success. to get their money back yeah. because it's got Killian Murphy in it. No. And that's not true. The only way they'll get the money back in, with Killian Murphy in is if the, the movie's really fucking good. Then, yeah, yeah of course, it, it enhances it or helps it, mm. but it's just as possible that some little film over here that had, uh, uh, an up-and-coming Irish actor instead of Killian Murphy will completely outgun the movie with Killian Murphy in if it wasn't a very good script. Actually, you're mirroring what myself well, and George's research uh, arrived at. From again, it's exactly what's working. It's yeah. you're a testimonial yeah. platform for. It's a strong storyline. It's a minimum budget. It functionally should resonate with an audience. We don't. We are actually. You're going to launch the next Killian Murphy. You don't just, need just to before we Murphy. just you go on there, Garvin. Can I let yeah. Stephanie just just come in and have? Her yeah, that, that's interesting because I would say that the model is great uh, up until the point where you need money from others, because if you're trying to raise, let's say, if you have one a quarter of a million pounds, which is great, and that's enough right. to make the film with the tax credits, that's brilliant then you're free. You can do, you can choose your actors and you don't have to choose well-known actors. That's great. But as soon as you need more money, like one million pounds, then you have to play the game, which often requires a sales agent and they want to do pre-sales, to do pre-sales. They want um, cast and to get cast, you need financing and you know, the cash, cash 22 of 
of, of, of Now, the strange of, thing of is, Stephanie, you've yeah. just moved models in, the, in a conversation. You're going, am I quarter of a million, half a million, a million, or am I too... As soon as you start moving the level above it, it's, as you said, a different model, yeah. a different level of finance. It's now a one to three million based on I need to have sales marks and business distributions. And to make the same money, you got to have twice the audience. So as an accountant, I even had a conversation today with in my own world of going, you know, this woman wanted to double her turnover because she's project driven. She had to double her staff. I'm saying you don't have your office is already full. You've now got to double your office space. Actually, all you had to do was move, was outsource your current staffing to Argentina. You would have half your price and had twice the profitability without ever doing anything. So yeah. it's it's uh, now in an accountancy language. You're going. It's a figure you want to make in terms of money. It's a return. Now, if you want to make a bigger film as an artist, you're going, I want to make a 10 million production versus a 1 million production. But to make a 10 million production, I've got to attract 11 million in finance or 12 million in finance. So it just becomes who the audience now, if they're paying a tenner ahead, needs to be 100 million people versus a million people to pay it back. So it's, is it a game would, of would, making money? I would, I would argue that it's actually more difficult to make a really good movie with known actors than with unknown yes. actors. And I explain yeah. why, because the most important thing to a, a filmmaker is, is, is time to, to do something, you know, for rehearsals, enough time to shoot, enough time for the DP to light the set in a, in a, in a great way and so on. Um, you know, if you make... I mean, I'm, I'm not talking about 10 or $20 million movies here, which gives you the actors and the time, but, you know, in the sort of 1 million to 5 million range, you know, if you're making, let's say, let's, let's say it's a 3 million pound film. If you're making that with the Killian Murphys of this world, you know, they come with bigger trailers, you know, their agents and their managers and legal fees, you know, great hotels, travel, the, the fees that, that they need to get paid, all of that swallows up a, yeah. a, a, a bigger portion of the budget, which allows you less time for preparation, pre-production for the actual shoot itself. So you might be making a movie in a three weeks and you've got Killian for, for two weeks or something. But if, if, you, if you could find investors that had the courage to say, well, you know, we'll still give you the same amount of money or, or you could do it with less money. Um, but now you're going to have, instead of shooting over three weeks, you're going to shoot over five weeks. You know, and you're going to have time to find the right actors who are brilliant and right for the part. You know, you're going to have, you can build a little set here and there. You can do all the things you need to do that that it ends up what makes a film good. It's, you know, we always say that an elevated film is a film that's made by a director. The content is the same as yeah. uh, another horror film, let's say a slasher or a, or a gothic ghost story. The content's the same. What's different in an elevated genre film is that the director and their team care about every single aspect of making the movie. They care about the scripts, the yeah. cast, you know, the production design, cinematography, props. Every single thing is important to get right in order to have the potentiality of making, you know, that breakout. What's popped into my mind, Sean, is I don't know. I'm, I have no context. I'm just at the thinking of the carry-on movies of the past and not the carry-ons, but the, the other, there was a bunch of carry-on horrors, I think. Maybe there was. And it's a Hammersmiths. But it's a, it's a if, Hammer house. based on what yeah. you're just saying, you're going indirectly, we want a passion budget. What we want is a passion budget of an investor type that wraps around a micro-production machine the machine is a close-knit group of 40 people that you know it's the full production team and what changes is the is the is is the story in the box as they say and we're going to and, and the actors and so the story in the box changes therefore the actors will change the locations will change but the production team are a close-knit team that get to get the payday they get to work on the next genre the next one they want they got continuity because they have this breathing space that we can finance it, do the right art, and we know we'll get paid because what's in the box is going to be translated. The passion will be seen, the, 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 the art will be seen, and the opportunity and chance will be given. If you move above this million, two million mark, you're in a totally different industry. You're in a job. You're, you're nearly, you're not, in, you're not your production house of frenzy films doing your own thing. The danger is, you could try go three, five million and you've lost the model. Even one million pounds and still be asked to bring cast. 
Yeah. I don't like, yeah. you know, well, that's, that's the, you know, even at a lower, it's still a low no, budget. No, for the sales so, agents, yeah. I get why the sales agents, they, they want, if they, if you give them a film with someone that's been in Doctor Who um, or Game of Thrones, you know, they can use that as spin at, 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 the, at the film markets to, to, to sell it and, and they, they get their, their cut. But it, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it, if you gave them a film that was, was better, they would actually, do better with it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah it would, they would get it. Been, there's been a. I, I remember a situation. Get those prestigious yeah. projects. You know. I remember a situation a, a good few, nearly 20 years ago now, where we had a little project that started off very small and we had a cast for it and we had everything else. Then we had somebody else come on board that said they could get the money and this, that, and the other. And at every meeting I went to with that producer or executive, the budget suddenly tripled and tripled again and tripled again. And before we knew it, what happened was I no longer was involved in the project, neither were the cast that were involved in the project that had been cast for it. It had gone into some other world that none of us were part of. And and in the end, uh, because it was taken out of all our control, I had to stop the movie <laughs> because mm-hmm. because literally it, it all the aspirations, all the people that were involved were suddenly no longer involved. And it 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 simply just become a totally different film and and the the only reason i was able to take it back is because i own the script or at least i was working with the person that owned it and we could take the script away to take it in a different direction uh and that was that was that was because money was getting involved and people's aspirations were getting bigger and bigger and all these other actors were getting involved and and all of a sudden it just blew up into something that it should never have been it should have been a vehicle to help launch people into their careers And, and and all of a sudden it had gone into a different to, a different world. Yeah, to be fair, Tom's you start out wanted to make a very low budget film, um, and then actually you, you realize you can't make it for that budget. You know, you can't do it justice. Yeah. And and if, yeah. even with Sean's Last Moon, which is a low budget film, but when we started out working on a project, it was meant to be a tiny, tiny budget. And then as we were doing the estimates, working on EVFX, SFX, um, talking to, to labs, we realized, okay, there is a, uh, the, 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 it's not as doable for a quarter of a million pounds than, you know, as, as we thought. Now, yeah. Actually, Stephanie, you've just entered yeah. into my language of accountancy and the budget controller. What it is, is the minimum viable product. Minimum yeah. vi- you know, in business language, you're going, when I priced up what the other should have had as a budget, it should have been three quarters of a million, and what they had was 80 grand, because they were pricing it based on who did what for free. Did, when you put it in the day rate, put in the expectation, put in the fluff, put in the stretch, you went, this is nonsense. They've left half the costs out. Actually, if we put in the sales and distribution and the marketing, they've left out 30% of the entire budget, because you're now dependent on, we've done something, and depend on a third party that we get paid or our investor gets paid and back on a sales and distribution that has a bunch of things in his, in his bag that may or may not push errors. So it's, it's, it becomes, what we've decided to do is how much of the process are you controlled of? As a production, because social media and the world has become smaller and you can get access to the end channels yourself or self-publish, actually 16-year-old YouTubers are doing better. So on this basis... We don't need to go the old legacy of sales and distribution. You're going, you can own the end-to-end control process and go, you need an awful lot less to pay back that investor, especially if the distributor is taking 50% of it. He's costing you half. So, and so we don't, we can bypass him because if you already have the quality story and you've got the answer in there, the route to market is a different, there's different routes to market and the, the, the normal routes are harder. The only They're giving problem you less anyway. with that, Garvin, compared to, you know, YouTube content creators and so on is, you know, YouTube content creators uh, can make a lot of money with their content because it's basically like a mini documentary sized crew. You know, when you're making a feature film and a genre film and there's some action and there's stunts and prosthetics and, um, you know, production design, all, all, the, all the things you need to do to do this really well, you know, you, you need a crew. You need a crew of anything from to do it properly um at the level i certainly want to make films anyway like yeah. 30 to 100 p- people yeah in in that it. ballpark somewhere depending on the, on the scope of the film and you know stephanie and i are willing to do this for nothing 
and a couple of no, other you can't. You got to shoot yourself and go. All, you know, everyone else the pays their rent by being a grip or a boom yeah. operator or whatever it may be, and they're not going to get the glory either when you win some award at Cannes if you do. Yeah. Um, you know, so so you need a certain amount. There's a sort of threshold where you need to be able to pay everyone at least minimum wage, and that's if yeah. you're only working with you know up and comers. You know, because any any key crew person or, or, or properly trained crew that's already worked on a number of Netflix shows and so on, you know, those, those guys and girls are three or four hundred pounds a day plus, yeah. right? So you can work out that if you're make, making a movie with a crew of a hundred and you've got that, that's, that's like 40,000 pounds a day, just, just yeah. that before you start. What was oh, really? no, you're, all, you're talking my own so language. What was the challenge is. <laughs> <laughs> is um is how do you yeah. how do you you how do you make the film on a on a on the best budget possible that that allows the filmmaker yeah. to get the right team and make the best. Yeah. Well, that, that's can. the catch twenty two. Well, can I get always, Stephanie just in there? Again? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess unless you are self sufficient, uh, truly self self sufficient as a as a filmmaker, because I'm very inspired by the. Um, filmmakers who did the endless, and you know, they, they did a, they have a great brand of 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 films which are uh, sci-fi, but also low budget, and they have been uh, basically filming them themselves and doing being acting in it. So they are very self-sufficient, and they made amazing movies that are doing really well. Now they're also able to do uh, to get you know, to have access to more funding in order to do bigger films, but. Um, they really gave themselves the opportunity to explore their brand and their voice. And yeah. I think that that's, that's quite rare that they, you know, they've been sustaining an incredible model uh, and, and all their films are very successful on, on Amazon and, and Netflix. So I think that's, there's something to uh, look into for, for filmmakers. Like you know, they, they made four or five movies that were uh, tonally, Similar with like four or five actors, and very clever. It was very cl clever. Now you just gave yeah. the other part of the model because that's what George and myself were talking about before. You know what our model entails is: what's the minimum? What's what's the minimum number of actors? What's the minimum strong story? What's the minimum budget? But it has to be a market day rate. You go, and we came up as you said with with forty people. The minimum we forget about the company structure just to have the production side of it. You know, with the right cast and crew, assuming five actors and a couple of extras, and keeping things to minimum locations. There is no escaping a three quarters of a million budget based on market day rate of 15 weeks and a crew of 40 actors, you know, an actor mixed crew and bits and pieces of moving parts. And that's what frightens most people because anything less than that is someone trying to do it on their handheld camera phone, someone trying to do it because they, they, don't, they don't have a mortgage. If, you're t if everyone in that machine has a life, a mortgage, bills, they need to be paid, they need a job, they need a market day rate. Everyone in there has a job. The holistic is where the producers, where the executors, we're willing to finance, we're willing to get the accolades, we're willing to forego, but 40 people need to be paid. And it's the only way that they can get the experience as well to, to build their careers through that kind of model. Absolutely. Yeah, we, it's possible to find those people that are willing to work for free um, because they want the, the higher credit than they've already got. Uh, they like you as filmmakers, they like your script. You know, they've just spent six months earning a fortune on Netflix and they're going to they're happy to take a month off to get behind it. You know, it's possible to to find the, that crew. It's a lot more exhausting because you, you might have to interview and be passionate to 10 DOPs before one says, yeah. OK, fine, I believe in you. I'm going to mm -hmm. do it. I'm going to work for, for a month for free. Whereas if you're paying even a basic rate, you know, you, you put an ad somewhere and you'll have 10 DPs That's knocking good. on your door. So it's yeah. a lot more exhausting to to do this low-budget model because you're forever, you know, selling and presenting yourself and your passion for your project. Yeah. And you, the problem is you can't sustain it. Yeah. Sean, I think we're, the language we're arriving at is we're not interested in low budget. We're interested no. in minimum budget. We're interested exactly. in what's the minimum the budget needs to be to deliver the story I want to make. That's the yeah. budget. How do I attract that money and show that everyone's going to get paid and what's going to be created is this quality product with an audience? 
This is the Blumhouse model. I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with probably, Blumhouse. Yeah. The Blumhouse model is amazing and, and it's very successful because they happen to have a studio distri distribution deal with Universal. So they, they also get, don't have to worry about selling it. But their model is, you know, they're making movies that would cost 10 million if you paid everyone top rates, especially the actors. They're making them for, for one to two million and everyone's getting scale, including the actors, but they own a portion of the equity. So then when Universal release it and it grosses $100 million, as many of them do, they get more than they otherwise would have got. That's, a, that's an amazing model. But, you know, in their case, it's proven over and over. But if, if we could build a model where, you know, we, we pay everyone the sort of minimum wage and they're behind us because they love the scripts, they love the team behind it. Um, and, and we can show how when the film does earn revenue, that's when you're going to get paid. And that's normally called deferred and it's bullshit and you never get it. Never get it. But I believe there is mm. a sort of model where you can have a, um, you know, a, a portion of it where first dollar in, for, after the sales agents have taken their marketing fees and their commission fees, the rest goes into, you know, collection and management account. And everyone in the key positions especially that was involved in that film gets a percentage of that revenue it's a gamble it may not pay off it could pay off a lot more right sean i'm gonna make your life easier you see the only reason we're thinking of that is we think we can't get the money so if we don't have to worry about getting the money we wouldn't be thinking about that and we'd be paying market day rate so the only thing we want to get is market day rate and then we don't have to worry about after because everyone got the job the rate they wanted they got the, the the what we bought at market day rate was the aspiring not the a-list actor so they got the money they got the opportunity they got the testimonial chance that the next gig they get somewhere else they get twice the pay but you're not the model your model is we give you the market day rate we pay for the quality that you bring and we're not looking to give you an upside because that's more painful we just need to be able to afford the market day rate and then if we have yeah. that you're in the business of a slate that's producing the stories and you don't have to worry about constantly negotiating day rates that would be brilliant. And the other great thing about that is that's our dream. You know, we're, we're looking for that investor. Well, we, that's that. us. We'll talk to you after the show. Yeah. You can also spread them over like five movies. Because if you, you know, if you invest in one movie, yeah. it's hit or miss. Now you if have If you invest it. in five yes. movies yeah. and you're talking about a, a, a good team that know what quality work is and work hard on developing stories and know how to get the right team together, you know, and you invest in, in You're investing five, in a term and a vision. You're not investing yeah. in a one-off opportunity. Because yeah. it's one-off, it's yeah. lose or win. Yeah. Now, now you're going to end up with a semi-bloom by default because your fifth one gives you back the five. It works. Stephanie, what was your view on that modeling process that we were talking about there? How, how does that fit into the way that you prefer to do filmmaking? Yeah, we are actually, we have been looking for, uh, an, for quite a while for an investor who could invest in a slate of projects because indeed, if you produce four films, let's say for one million pounds, the odds are, one is going to be great and breakthrough. Mm -hmm. and, and, then yeah. you, and then you're fine. You're going to recoup your money. But if you just focus on that one project, it's very risky. And I agree with you guys. Yeah. yeah. So it's, but two, it's, two, so, two, uh, four movies for a million pounds is, is thinking too small. In my uh, no, yes. I'm back with Sean. I'm on Sean's side over here. Yeah, that, that, I just wouldn't, because it's too exhausting. It's, it's not enough money. It's yeah. exhausting. Yes. You're playing in the, in the minor league. Yeah. You know, it, it should be, you know, we, we can make. What's the right million, movie? What's the minimum? A million pound, you know, all of our films are kind of des designed where they have minimal characters, yeah. uh, minimal special effects, uh, minimal locations. And they're designed in such a way that, that, and that creates a lot of suspense and tension in, in that kind of, in this type of genre. But it also means that you can make them really well at a very high production value for a million pound, I would right. say. Is the sort of there you go. Part. You've got the minimum viable product. Language for business yeah, strategy 101 is actually a million with a refund of 25% tax break that you have a million to yeah. spend. A million will cost you 750 in England. A million will cost just, you 670 just, in Ireland. 
that's exactly yeah. what actually at the moment we are doing all the co-production markets with the last moon uh i, I don't know if you're aware of them enough in uh and you know south korea and uh, frontier in montreal at fantasia so the, the project was selected for uh all the markets which is great because it's a good screenplay and we are really looking just you know, our model one million pounds you know we have one quarter of it in private equity we're looking into twenty percent in you know, in tax credits and and build on on on. Now, our, there you go. I'm going to be a terrible yeah. accountant, Stephanie, and go. The conversations we were having with a couple of people lately was, as the accountant, there's shortage in Ireland and England in terms of production space for the macro studios and maybe the micro studios as well. Is there's five hundred million queuing up to get into Ireland, probably a billion or so the queuing to get up into England that cannot even physically get into either of the countries based on lack of studio space. That money is directed by accountants that are going, if I spend a hundred million in Ireland, I get thirty-two million back, or I get thirty-seven million back based on if it's in the country or it's in the city or the regions or the localities. If I spend that money in England, I get 25 million back. The difference between England and Ireland is, is seven and a half million on a hundred million. It's actually, for an accountant, you're going, I wouldn't be going to England, I'd be going to Ireland if the same studio space there and the same talent was there because I don't have to earn seven and a half million more in profits based on getting my money back. All the queuing systems out there based on accountants are going, they follow the tax breaks to reduce the risk, given they already yeah. have the out based on their own distribution. So the weird thing is you touched on a 20% tax credit. You know, Ireland is 32 to 37. Okay, but I'm going to stop. Okay, but we, we have been investigating. The problem we have is we you know, we love Ireland. We're filmed in Ireland. Sean is Irish. Uh, so yeah. it makes it was always a great uh, co-production yeah. uh, country for us. But the problem is because we are uh, a company is in the UK, that means we need a co-producer. And whenever we approach Irish co-producers and our budget is only one million pounds yeah. or even euros, it's way too small for them, which makes sense because again, they want to get paid and they want their share of, yeah. uh, right, uh, of the money. If you had so, a co-production so, company, that just becomes suddenly, the ask. So suddenly you end up with actually a film that could be more costly because yeah. actually casting your crew might cost more money. Mm. You have the production, co-production fees. So it's actually, whereas in the UK, it's straightforward. It's 20, actually it's really 20% because it's 80% of 25%. Oh, yeah. uh, so it's 20%. 25% of 80 Yeah. So... Uh, so basically it's 20%, but it's simple. It's straightforward because we don't need a co-producer. Therefore, we don't need to pay fees for co-producer. So it's horses for courses. Also, yeah. I, I think in Ireland, um, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not above and below the line. So for your actors, if you have actors from England, for instance, they don't qualify. In in the UK, the tax credits are very simple and clear and it's above and below the line. For any talent, even if they're from outside of the UK, so it's it's kind of. It, I think that actually changed we, lately. I can't put my hand up and swear by it, but I think before it was an issue that all all the staffing had to be Irish, but now it's yeah. actually it's once the production happens in Ireland. So therefore, right. your 32 to 37 percent is a hell of a lot more than 20. Even if you're giving them half the tax credit difference as a fee, you're still going. The money, it's it's all about for the investor. If what all the people I was talking in terms of people looking for for like financing, they were they weren't talking return on investment and tax break. They were under the threshold. It was already cost 32% more by not being above the quarter of a million. So it says, look at make it 251, you're getting a refund of 80 grand. So, I so, mean so <laughs> what's interesting is again, because we have a a, a project um ice which which is a sci-fi film set in a bunker. So it could be shot could be anywhere. Anywhere, right? So we've been looking into filming in, in Ireland, but actually because you guys are so busy, which is great for you know for Ireland obviously because of yeah. Brexit and and or thanks to Brexit <laughs> from a new point of view. And us and, and also because uh you know of, of Netflix suddenly co-producers are so busy that actually we were told that you know to forget about a 
co-production with Ireland for one million pounds that we might as well, we should be filming somewhere in Eastern Europe. That's, a, that's yeah. which is interesting. Well, that's again, terrible. That's the legacy yeah. people. That's, it is terrible, yeah. yeah. To, no, to actually, yeah. But yeah. actually, Stephanie, when, when you made a movie for 30,000 and, and, euros is, in Ireland, so to listen yeah. to someone that tells you you can't make a, a movie for a million pounds Especially Ireland, when, but I kid you not, yeah, and so we, we got the budgets actually somewhere else in, in, in Eastern Europe. All right, but Stephanie, I'm going to hone in, in I'm going to hone in how my brain translates as an accountant. You're saying there's a million pounds. Now, that's, is that sterling? That could be 1.2 euro. Yes, 1.2 euro in really, Ireland, yeah. if, we, if we basically finance it, is worth effectively one third of that minimum is, because no, that's two thirds of it, 600. That becomes yeah. a 1.8 million budget in Ireland if we finance the tax credit. Yeah. That then, at a 50 grand average job, if you divided it in, becomes like you know, 200 job full-time equivalents for the year, whatever way you want to do it. It's all, that money is for jobs, nothing else, give or take. So, so the language that's meant to be happening here is I want to bring 50 jobs to Ireland for six months, spend 1.8 million in the Irish economy and get X, Y, and Z done. Whoever, the, the problem over here currently, what you, you heard was, there's, there's a massive demand for jobs. Yeah. There's a, there's, all the studios are, have sucked up all the talent based on the current Vikings and everything else that's out there, and yeah. all studios are full. But all you're really saying is, if we could bring one point, one point, a million from sterling into euro, get the better tax break, we have 1.8 million to spend, give someone a couple of hundred grand for just to stick their name on it for production. You know, it's the language of what we're selling and how we're asking. That's what we find. It's the story of the money. We can actually partner with the, we can go and talk jobs instead of money and co-production partners. We, it's about creating 40 jobs. Which jobs, where and who? We're saying there are 40 jobs in micro-production space that are not the ones in macro. We're trying to give these actors a job which are not A-listers, they're C-listers. Yeah. You know, so the great thing about this is if we play our own game of stories what we're meant to do is come that's the story we go play we don't ask permission we don't look for partnership we attract it because we're you're the wage you're the investor when moving with that budget they hear you're going i have 1.8 million to spend on jobs who wants a job that's great. I, that's music to my ears to hear you say that. It's how I normally think as well. And no one can ever tell me that I can't find one cinematographer in Ireland or one production designer. I, I don't if care how busy you are. If you put up a for sale ad now, I want six I of these and five of those, 50 grand a pop, 500 a day. You'll yeah. have a queue as long as your arm. And co-production produ exactly. companies will be coming out well, of the what, what, What's, yeah, what's also happening here? Each job. Yeah. Yeah, what's also happening over here is that the bigger studios are saying that there isn't the talent here. They can't find the people and they want Hence them trained model. <laughs> up to 12,000 people in the next couple of years because they can't get it. But what the other problem is that we've also heard the stories from the uh, heads of departments is that most of them are being uh, they've gone from a job below up to the heads of department. They're trying to find their own feet in that particular job. They also are being asked to train somebody because that's part of the budget requirements yeah. to, to get the tax yeah. breaks, but they haven't got the time. So they want somebody else to train them. And that's the biggest issue they've got. There are plenty of people here who could fill the jobs, but they, they're not recognizing them because they haven't got what they claim is the experience. But they're not going to get the experience and they, unless they got the opportunity to work on the low budget films that usually give people the, 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 the jump up. I mean, I've, uh, in one of the projects I, would, I produced, directed, um, a lot of the people got opportunities to work on the next project, the big project, because they'd worked on and gained the experience on working on a, on a feature film, which they don't normally get if they work on a short film. And those, it's that area that's being taken out of the picture at the moment because the big boys are coming in to the big studios, blocking everybody out, and you've got no development. They, they've literally cut the development side of it for training purposes, for people to skill up to be able to go on to work on other projects there afterwards. So and there's that, a game, that's where the George is actually touching on, we're about story. And what we realized getting into where our model was, no point in mentioning it, they don't understand it. They're working in legacy space and silos of thinking how things were done before. They're all coming from this old genre. The disruption we were talking about earlier in the show is, you have money, you're the attraction. You're coming here for the tax break. Now, you're not going to try and get the big studios because you're saying you're in the micro space and we can figure out alternative make-dos and create those spaces. So, I mean, now you've also got the attraction to the middle market 
staffing people, which are the mid-55s, that have all the experience, that do not want to get nosebleed and aren't being given the jobs in macro production because they won't, they know they won't be able for the nosebleed. So the actual very people you want, which is our higher skilled people, are here and in England, but they don't, they're all on these film groups and Facebook groups going, give me a job left, right and centre. We talked to Donna Phillips of the Inter International Film Producers Network last week and she says, the common question on the entire group of 20,000 people is, give me a job or where's the investor? Yeah. yeah. Right? Absolutely. Uh, so when you have the story, we just extend that story out. The story is not the story of the content. The story is of the people, as you said, that work to deliver on that content. It's their history, their CVs, their opportunities, their aspiration to be a star of the future or the ones that want to give back because they're a little bit tired or they're 55. They just like to do an eight-hour day. The thing you actually said earlier on, which resonates with me, is if we had the budget and we can slow things down, we don't need to deliver in six weeks. We can deliver in 16 and use the money how we please to deliver on the right story without the nosebleed. But because we have the right market day rate and the crew and the cast and everyone's bought into the ethos of what we're doing. And that is then evident in what's produced. It's not for free. We do not work under it for free anything because people have to eat and drink and, you know, be merry. They cannot, that, if that's part of anyone's model, then they're building in the downfall because that just means they join the queue with the other hundred that can't find the money either. If you can find, you have the right story, you have the right aspiration, you need to play the game at the million level minimum and you don't want two million because a million we can make back and make it work again in six months time. We can keep on doing it. But two million, we've got to get twice the customers back at the other end and we're building in a point of failure. So I see you as being very attractive you got to move from yeah. Ireland to England to Ireland for Brexit purposes to be seen to be in the European market to get yeah. the higher tax break, which is 17% more than the 20 immediately. And if the workers are in England, they can come to Ireland and just be part of the crew. We'd, this is a game of money love, and budget. Love to, we'd love to make a film in Ireland again because we made uh, the Choir Tower in uh, Templemore Tipperary, believe it or not, for €30,000 as a feature film. It sold to 16 territories around the world. It played at 25 festivals. It was four on Sky five Cinema. Really good, yeah. good, <laughs> four yes. five were really good festivals. We played at Galway, premiered at Galway. Uh, we have a lot of great memories from that era and the crew we cobbled together, half were Irish, half were English, were fantastic. And, you know, 30,000 euros. We don't want to do that again. No, we want you know, the to win. Where is your A game? 1.8 million. You just said it a minute ago. Yeah. Yeah. You have a million... Yeah. Yeah. Sterling, that's 1.2 euro that can be leveraged to 1.8 million budget in the Irish territory based on tax break. What do you want to make with that money? When do you want to make it? With, with, the, with this script we have, yeah. The Last Moon, for that budget, 1.8, I could deliver the film without any compromise. Exactly right, so that's the game. Why are you not playing and pursuing that game in Ireland right now? Okay, why not? Just because we, we haven't found... Believe me or not, a cup of production yet. Yeah. A cup of Well, we can yeah. give you we'll that in the morning. The well, <laughs> hang on, Gavin. Gavin. I know a lot of people. Partner. I'm connected. Be yeah. because, <laughs> because at the moment, we have a quarter of a million pounds yeah. and we are, which in, we private are equity. in private equity yeah. in the UK, which is great. It's a good starting point. But how, in order to get more, at the moment, to get more money, we are yeah. trying to get a sales agent and you know, play the game. Unless yes. we find yes. what, um, new investors, we are open to new investors. Well, there's just, just, just different games. Because at the moment... Well, actually, if I... Yeah. Yeah, so, sorry. Uh, just uh, what, what I'm... Uh, we, we actually have to come to the end of the show, <laughs> believe it or not. No, and no. I think we're... we're no, we are. Uh, I think we're reaching a really interesting uh, uh, perspective here, which we should be continuing on in, in a discussion outside of... A recording that we want to air to other people at this point. So I do think <laughs> it is a good time to end, Garvin, because I think I think you're getting into another area, which I think is actually quite good. But what I'd like to try and do just to wrap everything up is that um, I mean, Gar, uh, it, it, could I get? We, we've we've been talking about the, the the production problems in in the sense of trying to fund things. We've been looking at how over the last few years, especially um, the bigger streaming companies, are starting to soak up all the potential areas for uh, production at a lower budget. But we've also touched on the fact that 
each film should have a, a, a reasonably good production budget, which we're now talking about 1.2 million euros potentially, uh, that would allow the filmmakers to 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 fully f- realize the story that they have. We've also discussed on the the potential that the the stories that we should be doing are on a smaller scale, minimum location. They don't have to be A-lister actors. And all of these things give the opportunity for new crews and new uh, and, and actually experienced crews to come back and work at a pace that they feel more excited. Because I do get the impression that um, a lot of these big productions, they because they are run on such tight budgets, it is an exhausting 16-hour day. People are basically crushed and, and wiped out and and they, they may not be fit for purpose at the end of the actual production. Whereas on the smaller budgets, you can breathe a little bit better. You know what you're trying to do and you can work within the scheme that you have. We've also been talking about the, the problems of trying to raise funds where you need to get sales agents to sell your productions and various other things. So that's my kind of mini wrap up. What I'd like to try and do is, in, is, is allow everybody to have a little final say to kind of wrap up. So I'd like to start with Stephanie first. Uh, what would your final thoughts be about what we've been discussing this last hour? Um. Well, I, I I think that um, it should be it should get actually easier. I believe just because again, genre films are way more respected than they used to be. You know, just I look at Ken and you know, you know they were used to be so stuty towards um, genre films, and now they are premiering uh, genre films at the festival, which is amazing. So I think that the landscape is changing so fast that actually within two years, it could be a very different conversation. So I'm, I'm very optimistic. I believe that with our model of making great, um, you know, quality genre films for one million pounds, I think that we're going to be suddenly way more attractive in the marketplace than we used to be. Yeah, brilliant. Sean, what are your thoughts as we come to the yeah, end? Yeah, similar, really. I, th- I, I, think that, I think there is room for uh, a model... In, in the UK slash Ireland to make, you know, quality elevated genre films uh, with the right amount of time and preparation. Because I think one of the problems with the streamers is they have so much money and they have access to established talent already that they're literally throwing money at filmmakers who don't have to go through that arduous process of, you know, story development and, and, and pitching and, and developing their project. And I think... When movies, some of the best movies I've seen in this genre field, again, The Witch and The Babadook, you know, when you read the backstories, they often took five to seven years to get made. And I believe they mature and grow over that period, and which allows you ultimately when they're financed to make a, a really high level quality film that stands the test of time, becomes a classic in its genre. A lot of the films I'm watching on Netflix in this genre film are quite frankly, they're, they're just not very good. They're throwaway content. Um, and I personally believe they're not very good because the filmmakers don't have to jump through all those hoops of sometimes many years to ultimately get the film made. They, the filmmakers are getting money given to them and say, we need it by next April, mm-hmm. hurry up and make it. And you yeah. can't make great content in that way, or rarely. You know, the best movies in the history of cinema, actually, you know, when you really look at it, went through a terrible, arduous process, a lot of conflict and drama, and ultimately became a apocalypse now, or whatever it may be. But just just in a, in a kind of a smaller version of that, just the filmmakers, you know, because to, to sustain your passion over five to seven years to make a movie, you know, tells tells you that that person really wants to make that movie. Yeah, they've been yeah, dogged yeah. for years and years and years. They've been doing everything they can, traveling around the world to all the markets, pleading for the money, doing visual presentations, whatever it is, often at all of their own expense. You know, they probably run up anything from twenty to a hundred thousand pounds just doing that. I know I have just to do that, just to get in that position. And I, I just think that there's there's still a model for, you know, there's still some filmmakers out, out there that have that material that would has that chance of success. And I believe that uh, the projects we have at Frenzy Films fit that model. Uh, yeah. Right. No, I was going to say, yeah. round my end up and go, the weird thing is, I didn't want to be the accountant today, 
Well, strangely enough, I was. I'm trying not to be an accountant. But the pay, what I heard was pain and pleasure because you, had, you, you went out there and just seven years and it, it's 100 grand in debt and traveling the world. And fa- See, that's back to this life-work balance of you pursued the passion at any cost and we don't know what we gave up for it. We got, you got and got the film made, but a hundred others didn't because they couldn't get that money in the end. The pain, the pleasure was the money. The mo- if that money was there and easier accessible, but at the right quality price, that it's just not being thrown at people for those that are it's being thrown at. If it was thrown at you and these passion individuals in the right order that you have a sustainable work-life balance then you're doing two productions a year of two million and you've got 40 jobs a time your output is this it's the right model you've got a quality life balance doing your passion job so that's mm-hmm. the journey that we're sort of in we don't want a job with the industry to be a hundred grand editor or senior di- no you want to be in, i think we all we all want to be in control of a, be, being in control of a holistic content creation we decide the story and we see it from start to finish and we get it created, but we know that's contingent on someone else's money till it becomes our money that we have excess of to basically keep on investing in ourselves. But we don't want to invest in ourselves and not get it back because that would then say we're, we're producing crap. So it's produced the right quality, make money doing it so we can keep on doing it. That's what I'm hearing. But it's all, money makes the world go round. But it's not, it's not the input, it's the, it's the output. And it has to be circled, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Brooke, well, everybody, look, thanks very much for your time and coming to join us. I think it's been a very, it's been a very heated conversation, but I think it's been a very passionate one and a very good one to to hear your perspectives on on your experience in the industry at this point, which just so happens to work into the same kind of ideas that we've we've come up with, which I think is really, really good. I know I didn't get to contribute as much as I normally would do, but I felt I was the referee to try and make you sure You shut me up four times, George. Yeah, that's enough. You know. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that was it. So I, I, I had my little words at the end. I normally I normally play a little bit more, but I think we had some really interesting guests and it was it was important to give them their space and, and a chance to actually say something. Garvin. <laughs> so we'll get back to that at some point. But I think we'll, it, we, we, we must end the show. So... <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for coming and joining us this week. And uh, I do think we need to have you guys back on again at some point soon and carry on yeah, the conversation because there's me. a lot more yeah. to happen without Garvin yet. <laughs> no, I think that'd be good. We'd love to. But We'd thanks love to very come much. Back on. Thank you so much for inviting us on in the first Thank place. Thank you so really much. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Brilliant. Thanks very much. And Garvin, thanks as well. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Hope you enjoyed this video. Please subscribe and click on the bell for notifications. 